This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Let's get on to the good stuff because just back from Rio in studio with me for the next little while, someone who knows this area well. In fact, she, I don't know if she played her first basketball, a good chess pass from where we're sitting right now at Westdale High School, but Shona Thorburn, welcome home. Hi, thank you. Uh, was it a uh, smooth ride home? Did you guys get the direct flight from Rio to the Hamilton <laughs> Airport? Uh, unfortunately, we did not get the direct flight. <laughs> um, I did hear it was because we qualified so long in advance that uh, the direct flights were more for Air Canada decided to all of a sudden put more direct flights on, but we had already qualified, so we already had our booking. <laughs> so, so how did you get home? Uh, we spent, uh, quite a few hours in Sao Paulo and then Sao Paulo to Toronto. So it's not, not terrible. No, not terrible. It was a good, you know, it wasn't through Moscow and then through, uh, (laughs) you know, somewhere else or wherever else it was. Yeah, no, it wasn't. And you know what? Some, uh, some other athletes actually had longer layovers. I'm talking 10, 12 hours in Sao Paulo and we were all on the same flight to Toronto. So I can't complain too much. There is an awful lot I want to ask you about the Olympics, and you have now been to two of them, so you have a you have a context here that you can, which a lot of people don't have. But let's start with with the game right away because you guys were, I know the women's basketball team was hoping for a medal, was probably thinking mm-hmm. you were in contention for a medal, legitimately. Yeah, I don't think it was a realistic, unrealistic goal. Um, obviously, we we fell short. So it makes what is an amazing experience seem a rather crappy experience <laughs> at the moment. But Still? I mean, it still feels very raw? Very, very raw. Incredibly heartbroken. Uh, Was it easier last time because there weren't the expectations? Yeah. You know, I, I left London feeling better. I, I did. Then I have spent the last few days in Rio and traveling home today. It's 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 been hard, honestly. It's I don't think I've been ever this disappointed in my life. There was a picture of you that was taken right in the aftermath of the final w- mm-hmm. buzzer that went. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who it was you were hugging, but yeah. you were weeping yeah. then, yeah. and you know, I mean, obviously hit immediately, yeah, and has stayed that way. Yeah, uh, the photo is actually with. Kim Gaucher, formerly Kim Smith, and her and I have played together for 16 years. So, you know, and and the first summer we ever spent was with the uh, junior national team for Canada. Um, So it was, it was hard. Yeah. And as part of the hardness of this whole experience, knowing that time is ticking, that there may not be that many more chances, is that part of, I mean, would again, would it have been different if you were 22 and, and this had happened? I think so. Um, yeah, I think part of that is, you know, I'm getting up there now. You know, will I be around in four years? It, and, it, and it is questionable because of my age. And then it's also, I, I think we underachieved. Um, I don't have the answers why. I wish I did because if I had known, we would have changed things mm. right then and there, you know, from quarter to half to the end of the game. Uh so I, I think we underachieved and we didn't play our best basketball at the most important time. The thing that probably I have to believe drove you a little bit nuts about the whole experience as well is you guys had played so well in the tournament, had mm-hmm. gone undefeated, played well in the first half, played great in the first half. Yeah. And then five minutes into the third quarter, it was suddenly like the offensive tap just got turned off and 
the ball wouldn't go in the basket. It must yeah. have been incredibly frustrating on the bench to say, why? What's yeah. just happened here? You know, uh, France kind of threw this zone at us. Um, and, and I play in France, and I have a lot of respect for the French players, and I have good friends who are French. But they threw this zone at us that was not that good, and we just we struggled with it. You know, we, we have this, we call it the Canadian style of play, and, it's, and it is very different to what other uh, national teams and countries do. And we couldn't necessarily do that against this zone, and it really, it got us, and I, and I don't know why. There were a lot of people in this city, I mean, a lot of people across the country, but a lot of people in this city watching, because this was really Hamilton's team. Mm -hmm. I mean, between you and Kia yeah. Nurse and Lisa Tomite as the head coach and Anne-Marie yeah. Thuss, the manager who's assistant coach at McMaster, why, why do we do so well in basketball in Hamilton? You were, you're the trailblazer. You're Well, <laughs> I mean, Lisa came along, she may yeah. have been the first one out, and then you're right after. Why have we done so well? You know, I I remember playing in grade six at Dalewood and then, you know, joining the Transway program. And I think at that time, which was a few years ago, uh, we were sort of ahead of our time in how competitive it was and how many young girls were going into basketball, which made it competitive. And I think that has a lot to do to do with it. Um, I also believe that, you know, Hamilton's a working class city and we're tough. We produce tough people, and you can see that in our other Olympians. You know, we we work hard, and we have always worked hard. Uh, so, but I do. I think it comes down to all the programs that even were in Hamilton when I was going through the system at a young age, and there are so many more now. And there's so many different opportunities, and there's personal training that you can get at a young age, and a lot of it has started here in Hamilton. Is there such a thing as a Hamilton style of basketball? <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, if if there is, I would hope that it is a, a gritty, no-nonsense, tough style. Um, but I have to admit, you know, all my other teammates from all over Canada, they they play just as hard and just as tough as we do, though. I said off the top that you, I mean, you say you started at Dalewood, but mm -hmm. you really got going when you were yeah. at West. Does it seem, I mean, as I say, we are literally, we can look out the window and see where you got going. Does it seem like a long way though, where, <laughs> where you ended up? Wow. Does it ever? Who would have thought I would be a two-time Olympian? Um, I, you know, I have to look back and I, I don't think I ever could have imagined this. I dreamed of it. I absolutely dreamed of it. Like how young were you when you actually thought, well, was there always women's basketball? I guess there always has been, right? Yeah. I remember watching the 2000 Olympics and I was 18 at the time, 17, 18. And I was looking at it going, wow, that's what I want to do. But that's near the end of my high school. Um, you know, 96, we had a women's team in Atlanta and it just didn't really seem that realistic at the time though. Uh... And, and I think it's because I was playing on the youth and the junior and the young women's national teams, and we weren't that competitive. I was going to so say, we didn't have... as much as I dreamed about it, we used to get our butts kicked. Yeah, we didn't always have a good national team. No, we didn't. We really, we really didn't. So just from growing up in the ranks with Canada basketball, I, I honestly, I always dreamed about this and being an Olympian and a two-time Olympian at that. Back then, I didn't realistically think it was possible. Uh, that 
doesn't mean I never stop trying or stop training or, you know, still believing and dreaming in it. So when did you think it was possible? Because you, you go to high school, mm-hmm. then you go to Utah, you get a scholarship and you play at Utah, mm-hmm. you get drafted in the first round yeah. of the WNBA. What point along that spectrum did you start saying, you know, I could actually do this? Probably not until about 2011. Really? <laughs> or 2012 when we qualified late. We didn't even qualify in 2011. Um, yeah. I thought we could have qualified then, but even then, you know, Brazil won that automatic bid, which, and they were that much better than us then. I mean, I really think they beat us by about 20. So it was honestly, I'm going to have to say 2000, like three weeks before the Olympics started when we qualified on Canada Day. And so when I realized, oh, we can do this. (laughs) And so when, and with all that, with that building and building and last summer, you guys win the Pan Am Mm -hmm. games at. Well, ma- what Madam Maple Leaf Gardens yep. for you know for lack of a um, was that the highlight then? Did, when was that the moment when you guys thought we're actually? I think so. I mean, you talked about yeah. how you you had expectations. Was mm-hmm. that the moment when the expectations when we could actually do something at the Olympics? Yeah, and then we had a fifth place finish in the World Championships in 2014, and we had some good big wins there. Uh, and we had some losses, but it's a long tournament. And then so it was kind of 2014, and then. When we started the 2015 summer and we opened, you know, we went to Europe and we won some games and we're going, oh, we're beating some teams who used to beat us by 20, 30, 40 points. And then it was kind of, okay, you know what, we we're, we're, we can do this. We, we're now a competitive nation in women's basketball in the world. We are. So just before we get on, we're going to take a break in a second and we get on to the fun stuff about the Olympics, not so much the uh, the last game. But it, when when you're in that last game, was there a sense of shock then? With all this building and with all the positivity that you guys came into this with and the belief that it was going to go well, mm-hmm. was it a sense of shock in the dressing room afterwards when you're sitting there that, how did that just happen? Absolutely. I, And I still can't give you an answer. And... I remember even when things sort of started to swing in the third quarter, I I, I thought we were going to win until the last 34 seconds. I really did. But when things started to swing, I was like, what's going on? What's happening? And what was happening was honestly shocking to me during the game. I, I, there were certain things that happened and I was like, we haven't done that in years. And I don't know if that's just the lack of experience um, because, okay, yeah, you can say, you know, it was a good handful of us that were in London, but we, we weren't expected to win games in London. So, and we were expected and we wanted to, and we knew we could in Rio. Well, you look like, honestly, and I'm not saying this because you're sitting here. I said this mm-hmm. before. You guys looked like the better team. Mm-hmm. You just couldn't get the ball to go yeah. into the basket in that last half. I know. And that's a big part of winning games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. It does help in basketball <laughs> if the ball will go in. It does. And so after, I mean, it was three days after that was the closing ceremonies. Yeah. Three, three four, four days. Yeah. When you did you participate in the closing ceremonies? We did. Um, and were you guys dancing, or were you still saying? I, I have to admit, it, it. I was depressed. I I'm sure I'm still depressed, and I had to force myself to go to the closing ceremonies. We, you know, we made it. We threw it out to the team, saying, "Okay, do we want to go?" We didn't have to. No one forced us. And kind of the twelve players, we said, "Okay, I think we we should all do this because it is something as as disappointed as I am right now." I knew in five years from now, I would have regretted not going in the closing ceremonies. You could have got out of it by saying you'd been robbed by Brazilian police. 
I could. I could have, but that would have been a lie, and I would have lost all the sponsors that <laughs> I do <true>. not have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and had to pay a fine out of my own pocket. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It, it worked for one guy. Uh, uh, yeah. Probably not the best move, but no, you, no. Know, you, you never robbed Ryan Lochte at any point during the Olympics? Uh, no, no, I did not. Okay, well, <laughs> just get that out of the way. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about some of the more upbeat parts of the Olympics. And now that Shona's been to two of them, how they compare, because we heard tons and tons and tons of stuff about Rio going into it. Uh, what was it really like? Shona Thorburn sticks around. We'll chat with her again right after this. Stay with us. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Let's, let me say, we talked about, um, if you missed the first part, you'll be able to catch it on the podcast after it was the, um, it was the part about, you know, being a little depressed. So we'll leave that stuff now because the Olympics are, even though those things can happen, they are still the dream. Like they were for you. They are the dream for a lot of people. And most people will never, ever, Mm -hmm. ever, ever have the chance to be within a hundred miles of participating. So let's start with, I, I remember you coming on here. I think it was you four years ago to talk about the opening ceremonies. What? Did you guys participate in the opening ceremonies? We did not. No, not this time? No, we made a team decision to not participate in them because we played China the next day at 2. You know, you play at 2, you have to be up at about 8. And we wouldn't have been back the earliest. We would not have been back until past midnight. Uh, So we made a collective team decision. Is that Um, tough? It was very tough. And it was kind of, you know, we sort of asked the people who hadn't been there before because we had at least experienced Mm -hmm. an opening ceremonies and they were on board. You know, getting that first win against China was a must win for us. Uh, They were on board. Uh, When it comes down to it, winning is the most important thing at an Olympics. And you had that experience. The experience is great. But you had that experience of an opening ceremonies before. I did. I did. I'm not sure how it would have felt if I had never been before. But they, you know what? They were great sports about it. And and the thing is that the people who we asked to say, okay, what do you guys think about not missing it? Those girls are going to be around again. I, I truly believe that they will at some point experience uh, opening cer- ceremonies. We did watch it as a team, though, at um, the Canada. We actually went to the High Performance Center. So Canada has their residence in the village. And you can't fit all your coaches in mm-hmm. the residence. So they also rented out this high performance center, which is about a six minute bus ride from the village where, you know, our sports psych stay, other staff from COC, our video coordinator guy and whatnot. And this residence was enormous. It was beautiful. And they had a Brazilian style barbecue for us. They had huge. Hopefully not like TVs. in bridesmaids. No, no, don't worry. We, we did not get sick. No, this was... No I, I gray think, meat yeah, sliced no, off a no, sword? No, no, no. It was incredibly tasty. <laughs> they had professional samba dancer, dancers come in and do a performance for us. So we had our own uh, opening ceremonies. All right. You missed the guy from Tonga, though. Maybe he was at your uh, thing afterwards. I'm sure he was. The the bare skin, bare chested, slathered down in <laughs> coconut oil guy who, <laughs> who apparently won the opening ceremony. So, so you're at the Athletes Village. We heard horror stories before mm-hmm. the Olympics. There were floods, there were things not finished, there was electrical stuff hang, hanging out. What, what was the Athletes Village like? I, you know, I, I do know that uh, people from the COC were there three to four weeks before any athletes arrived. Uh, but they were very hush-hush if they did have any problems that they Had you heard this done. stuff ahead of time? Like, had you been a little nervous? You, you know, everyone read the article about okay. the Australian house. Um and whatnot. So yeah, we were all a little, 
weary getting in. And then on our first day in the orientation, we asked, and they said, listen, we've flushed every toilet multiple times. I mean, it was an 18-story building. And there was, I don't know, four or five toilets in every apartment, six apartments on a floor. And they went up and down. And they checked and they did everything. So I... I think the COC did a great job of getting there ahead of time and fixing anything that needed to be fixed because we, I, water pressure wasn't great, but. How was your room? My room was wonderful. I I was fortunate enough to be the oldest on the team and a veteran that I had my own room and an ensuite and, and the apartment was great. It was beautiful. It was large. You weren't running into your teammates and you were able to kind of escape. It was so big. Really? Yeah. And, and, and wh- I mean, what what do you do when you're there? Do you spend much time at the Athletes' Village? You, We spend a lot of time traveling. Rio, for those who have not been, is an enormous city. Okay. Uh, and it takes a long time to get anywhere. So anything that said, you know, it was 20 kilometers away would take you over an hour. I think it's kind of like going to Hamilton to Toronto during rush hour. Okay. That's a good, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'll that take a, a while. I, I feel like a lot of listeners with, will but, understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> is the, How close was the Athletes' Village to the Olympic zone where all the stuff was? So our first round games, it was a good drive. It was between 45 and an hour. We did have a couple hiccups with the uh, driving. Um, <laughs> there was one game, the Serbia game. Uh, which was a great game for anyone who loves basketball. We, Big comeback. Yeah, huge comeback. We The bus wasn't there when we arrived. Apparently it was stuck in traffic. And we waited about 45 minutes. And then, so they finally got another bus. Um, Emery deals with all that stuff. Those who know Emery Thus at Mac, she was a rock star and basically forced another bus driver to just take us, even though he wasn't supposed to be going there. He ended up getting lost. Clearly, he had never been to the gym before, and we were we were putting our uniforms on the bus. We, you know, we showed up forty five minutes before tip off, which is you're normally there an hour and a half, two hours before. So, a few hiccups with the buses and transportation, but other than that, I really, I don't know. Like, if you guys ever saw photos of the village, we had pools outside that were gorgeous. The weather was perfect. We had air conditioning. Yeah, it was. But wonderful. you didn't spend a lot of time there. You spent a lot of time traveling. Well, I spent and a lot of, yeah, a lot of time in the bus. <laughs> what I mean, what? Okay, um, at the risk of sounding indelicate, there mm-hmm. are so many stories about the athletes' village as the games move along, and now athletes are done their competitions and so they're, they can be honest. <laughs> they're cutting loose a little bit and yeah. they're relaxing. And we've heard stories of four hundred and fifty thousand condoms being ha- handed out to athletes mm-hmm. and on and on mm-hmm. like is the athletes village turned into animal house as the olympics go on or is it is that way overstated about what it's like i think it's way overstated but you you have to realize that i play on a team sport that runs the entire time of the olympics uh where some athletes compete the first second day and then they're done I have no idea what they do. Uh, we need to bring one of them on and, and they'll answer that question. The 450,000 condoms, you actually had to go to the polyclinic and go to this sort of vending machine. So it was very obvious if you were trying to get a condom. Like it was not discreet. You know, it's not really something you want to throw out there. So they'll just have bowls in the rooms. Not necessarily bulls in the rooms. Uh, that's, see, that's always the story before the Olympics is is that this is going to be just crazy by mm-hmm. halfway through the games, and mm-hmm. it's all just complete wildness. Not well, so much, or a little safe bit. Than sorry. 
<laughs> is um, it loud though? Like at night, does it, does it as the no, games I, I go on? No, I think people are very respectful, and they know at around 10 p.m. you short, you, you know, you shut it down because people are competing. Uh, I do know a lot of people go. Like if you're done playing, they went out and partied. I mean, this is Rio de Janeiro. Ryan Lock. They're not staying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They are not staying in the village to party when there's famous beach clubs. You know, France houses throwing these discos every night. So they're not partying in the village. Do you guys get to, because your your event went for so long, mm-hmm. do you get to let your hair down at all? Or is it really intense from the minute you set foot in Rio until almost to the very end? Is there Are there chances to relax and to go and experience it? Or is it all business? It's all business. I guess it depends on how serious you are. No, uh, but for you guys. Oh, we are all business. Are you kidding me? But there was no tours to play. You don't say, okay, we got an off day today. We're going to go look around no, Rio. Or... we... Um, and I think that has to do with the veterans because the veterans on the team, myself, Kim Gaucher, Lizanne Murphy, we're very serious, serious people. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm here for basketball and I'm here to win. Um, we did, you know, that being said, we did, we had an off day and we went to, we're sponsored by Nike. Canon Basketball is sponsored by Nike. And the Nike house was unbelievable. Hmm. They It was on a golf course. So you got to golf, go to the golfing range. They had you know, buffet-style meals for us and a lot of cool swag that we got to bring home. Other than that, we didn't have any time to sightsee. Uh, We met friends and family at the Canada Olympic House for one afternoon of dinner and drinks. You know, we got to do the beer fridge, say the six different languages. Yeah, things like that and the you know, the, the thing that they open and there's someone on the other side in Toronto. And we, d- we did that kind of stuff. But, I mean, like I said, it literally, from the Olympic Village to the Canada House, took us an hour and a half. One way. Hmm. Yeah. So that this is, Takes- you know, you spend two hours with family and that's five hours of your day. Did you have family down there? I did. I was I was fortunate. I had most of my family and down there and I had a couple of very good friends who came to support me. So it was great. You mentioned all the swag. You guys get, I mean, and I don't think anyone begrudges it. We want our Olympians to be treated mm-hmm. well. You guys get a ton of stuff. You've been to two Olympics now. You must have boxes of Canada yeah. garb stuff some way, somewhere. Yeah, I do. Um, and I was actually going through some of it today because I'm trying Shockingly to not wearing any of it right now. No, well, you, you know, I specifically <laughs> asked you this morning. You I was like, this is, I do not have to do hair and makeup, right? You said, no, radio only. <laughs> okay. Okay. I can agree to this then. <laughs> um I I do have a lot, but y- you know you have a lot. I have a lot of people here in Hamilton who I I want to give stuff away to. Is that so what happens it, with yeah. it? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's surprising every year. All of a sudden, I look at the end of the summer and I'm like, where did it all go? <laughs> so well, so so when you do you get it before you go down there, or do you arrive and they hand it to you? Uh, through Canada Basketball, we get most of our Nike gear, and Nike actually kind of threw us this uh, send off party, and we got a lot of uh, extra stuff there, which was really nice. Um, but then the whole, the HBC stuff, we got down there and then. So do you walk into your room and there's like a duffel bag of all your stuff? Like how does it work that, uh, cause there's opening ceremony yeah, gear and so there's closing this, ceremony and mittens. Yeah. Mittens. Mittens were a surprise. We okay. didn't know about those until the closing ceremony. If no one saw that, the Canadians were actually wearing mittens like in I Vancouver, I think which was perfect. for great cons- tradition to continue on. Well, and considering the day, yeah, no, it was cold. <laughs> but so, so what, you go down there and yeah, there's just you a. Actually, you know, one of your first days that you arrive, you go to the, what's called outfitting. And they pop you on a bus and you go to this separate place and there's a men's, women's locker room and your bag is already there with your sizes. You try everything on if you need to make changes. It's 
like an incredibly good Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Better than a Christmas. Like. Yeah, it would be, well, considering that, I mean, when they sell the stuff up here, you have people lining up mm-hmm. to buy this stuff. The mittens, yeah. if you remember, I mean, you were yeah. watching, uh, went like crazy. And yeah. so you're down there and they go here, just take I it. I know. It's, it, it is, it's, it's really cool. And, and I think it's part of the experience and sort of part of the joy you know you're going oh, I've worked so hard for this and someone recognizes and they are also thankful Canadians are thankful our sponsors are thankful and it, it means a lot well we have seen over the years some teams walk in for opening and closing ceremonies looking really bad let's be yeah. honest like there's some designers that have been so we want our Canadian athletes yeah. to, to be outfitted right so we yeah. they look what is is there something though that you won't give away is there something you got that you say no no that's that's staying with me that's my souvenir yeah I I don't know if I will ever wear it again <laughs> but our opening ceremonies jacket I really like and the then, long red yeah yeah kind of looked like an equestrian jacket. yeah yeah okay <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think we were going for like an RCMP look which, you know, I love the RCMP. <laughs> if they had given you the hats, the, yeah, that would have... been marching in like RCMP. That would have been actually, you know what, something to think about. I know. Something to think about. Um, Better that then, than Elmer Fudd hats. Yeah. Or, or that. <laughs> oh, well, that w- would have been different. Um, <laughs> what about your what about your uh, your jersey that you wore in London and the one you were oh, here? What do you do with yeah, those? No, those are... Do you get them plaqued or framed yes, or... Yes, they are untouchable. Um, I have donated a few other jerseys from different years, but... Specifically, my Olympic jerseys, both the red and white, are untouchable. Why did you... Have you always worn six? With Canada, for many years, yes. In my younger days, no. I think I was seven. Any Um, reason you switched to six? Is there a reason for that number? No, we kind of do it by sort of your height and yeah, no. So that means what, you're the six uh, yeah. tallest or six shortest? Uh, shortest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's, you know, and, I, and I've been six for so long, I would never think about giving it up after that. When you're in the athlete, and we've got to go to a break in another minute here, when you're in the athlete's village, it is a huge complex. Mm, enormous. And when you're wandering around through the halls in the dining hall, I saw a picture of the dining hall that looked like it was like Costco with yeah. all the stuff moved out and just tables. It was, you know, it was like this huge warehouse of, uh, of food, but is, I mean, you're a star for a lo- I mean, for so many young girls playing basketball, if they bumped into Shona Thorburn, they'd be like, oh, it's Shona Thorburn. But for you, is there someone that you had your eye open to say, oh man, I hope I bump into someone. I saw Manu Ginobili a few times. So he's yep. Argentinian, you know, he's one of the best South American basketball players of San all time. San Antonio Spurs yeah, star. Yeah. Um, I who shaved off him. all his hair for this Olympics. He, he's going bald. It was not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, I bumped into him a few times, but I got too shy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else? Like, where, where, where are there? I mean, there was a lot of famous people in the village. I saw uh, Usain Bolt, but a lot of people asking for photos. So then you kind of feel bad. And he, he was super gracious. He smiled at every single photo. But the guys need to eat. Um, Andy Murray. Djokovic. And what, are you we just had, seeing them you know, across the room star, and saying, Jeannie oh, there's... Bouchard. They were all, like, I mean, Sergio Garcia, for those who know golf, golf yeah. I saw a ton of people. And they were all staying in the village. It was really, really cool. And he just sort of spotting them across the room and, and nudging the person next to you, going, oh, there's mm-hmm. so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know, Pau Gasol. Obviously, I know a lot more of the basketball players right. and other sports, but it was it was incredible. More so than London, I actually think there was more famous people here. 
And, it, you know, again, a lot of people would see you and go fanboy or fangirl. <laughs> I mean, is it kind of like that? Do you kind of go, like, do I belong? Awestruck. Do I belong I here in the same dining hall with yeah, these people? I mean, exactly. do you think that ever? And do you know what the biggest thing I noticed, and so did my teammates? Basketball players are a lot bigger than every other sport. <laughs> I mean, we're, and I'm not that tall. You know, I'm one of the shorter ones on our team. And I was taller. I'm talking about all the other countries there. Taller than 65% of the athletes. That me. That's me. Imagine how my teammates felt. <laughs> yeah, well, imagine how, well, now if the U.S. men's basketball team had deigned to live with the, you know, the average people. Average. Uh, instead of on a cruise Olympic ship. village, cruise ship. Now, you remember, the funny thing is, though, the very, for back in 92, when they were yeah. in Barcelona, mm-hmm. the dream team with Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, yeah. they all lived in the athlete's village. They lived with the people, Michael Jordan and those guys, they lived yeah. right in the athletes. Now, it must have been insane for those guys. I mean, if you're what you're describing here, with, I mean, every one of them would have been Usain Bolt. I know. I think it would have honestly got tiring for them. I'm sure. It, it would have been a struggle just going to eat because people would have stopped them. One of my favorite things, and you can see this on, geez, I can't remember where it is. It was YouTube or it was a, it, there was a video, a, do, a movie made about that that dream team in 92. And one of the guys, and some people will know who this is, some won't. There was a guy on the team named John Stockton who was a small... Utah Jazz, are you kidding me? Everyone yeah, well, you know. John Stockton you know, is. but okay. small, <laughs> probably six foot one, white point guard Skinny, who honestly yeah. was the most average looking human being on the planet. I mean, he on, you could have put him anywhere. You, see, you would not recognize him in a grocery store. And he, would, he, he was taking this video of him walking around on going onto the bus with the dream team and people didn't know who he was walking through the town and with his family and no one knew who he was. now you magic johnson usain bolt they, those yeah. guys could not do that no they couldn't and they didn't they, they don't in the athletes village again they don't separate the stars, stars no, in any they way are common folk it's great to see and you see them talking with people and having a good time they they're like every everyone else it's it's honestly it's great to see I was going to take a break, but I want to stick with this for just one second, and then we'll go to the break. What about you? When you get home, when you're around here now, because you've been to two Olympics, and now people know who you are. They know your face. They know what you look like. They know what you do. What about little girls who are playing basketball? Do you get that now? Do you get that same kind of fan thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it depends on where I am. Um, you know, I, before the show started, I said I work out at McMaster University, and there are sort of times where a lot of times I try and wear Mac gear because they are gracious and give me a lot of it as well. And people, I don't know if I look lost and they're like, oh, are you with the women's basketball team here? Because I do probably look younger than my age. And I'm like, nope, not on the university team here, but thanks. Thanks for asking. (laughs) Uh, But then when it's, you know, I I have run into people in grocery stores and and shops and they're like, hi. Are you, you know, are you so they, they get congratulations? It. They get yeah, it. it's cool. I, I, I don't know. I like it. I, I think what I like the most about it is we've come so far to get this kind of recognition and support from the media and writers and people covering us that I could have, you know, 20 years ago walked in, not 20 years ago, but 15 years ago walked into a basketball gym and no one would know who I am. Even if a, bas- a women's basketball tournament mm-hmm. was going on, a high school basketball tournament, they wouldn't. And now that has changed. If you walk into a women's ba- a high school girls basketball tournament right now, what happens? 
Well, I don't know. I'm never around here at that time. <laughs> we'll have to arrange that. We're going to do that one okay. of these times. Next time you're back here in Social the winter, we were, we're going to just march you in and quietly see what the response is going to be. We're definitely going to do okay. that. I'm going to, uh, next time you're back. A okay. uh, quick break here on the Scott Radley Show. Back with a little more of Shona right after this. Stay with us. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Did you get to see any other sports, by the way? Did you get to, I mean, again, I know you guys were busy, but do you get to go and watch anything else? Unfortunately, we didn't this time around. Um, and like I said, a lot of it had to do with we were so far away. It was it was a hassle trying to find transport to other events and because we did go so long into the tournament. Uh, we did spend a lot of, in the whole Canadian residence on the top floor, was what's called athletes-only area. Like coaches could not come in there. No staff could come in there. Uh, and then it's just, you know, TVs everywhere. So we spent a lot of time up there and, you know, cheering on the volleyball team, women's soccer team. Uh, apparently I'm more attracted to team sports, but <laughs> yeah, no. So we spent a lot of time up there and then mingling with other athletes, but we weren't able to hit up any other. There was, there were... 14 people, I think, from Hamilton that were there, including some coaches, including mm-hmm. Lisa and Anne-Marie. But there was, I mean, there was a 10, 12 athletes mm-hmm. from this. Do you know before you go, like, is there any kind of connection with all of you? Do you know any of the other people? Do you know Melissa Tancredi from mm-hmm. previous games? Do you, is there a connection when you go, oh, we're from Hamilton that I'm going to check that out? Or is it hard to do that because they're in so many different disciplines and different sports? Yeah, it, you know what? It, it's hard to do that. And we all don't necessarily train here in Hamilton anymore. Uh, I know Melissa because we're the same age and we always run into each other at random events and, and whatnot. And then obviously I know Reed. I went to school with Reed at West Reed Cool Hill, Set, so. yep. They're a marathoner yeah, for Reed those cool who don't set. know. Um, and then, you know, I remember at the closing ceremonies, there was a lot of Canadian athletes and we were kind of walking by each other and then all of a sudden I heard someone be like, Hamilton! And I turned around and it was some guy and I didn't recognize him, but I was like, woo! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, I'll say this, I mean, one of the things from this Olympics is that almost everybody who was from Hamilton, Burlington, this area, mm-hmm. almost all of you guys did great. Yeah. Like it was it was one after the other. I mean, we were talking off the air that Melissa wins a bronze yeah. medal with the women's soccer team. Eleanor Harvey, who went to Westdale like you, uh, knocks off the number one fencer in the world. Um, Reed, I think, finished 24th, 23rd yeah. in the marathon. Yeah. Um, you know, on and on and on. It was just one mm-hmm. great thing after another. Mm-hmm. It, you know, we could have been one of those cities that we send people and they just... They went. Yeah. Right? That's the biggest thing. They went. Yeah. We didn't. We we did really well. I know. And I think that's great. And I'm proud to be from Hamilton. And I know, you know, the other athletes are as well, even if we don't spend a lot of time here anymore. But, you know, Hamilton's cool. It's a good place to grow up. I do have to ask you, um, so many people that go to the Olympics end up getting tattoos of the rings or of a maple. Did you, have, did you get any Olympic tattoos? I do not have the ring tattoos yet. Something to Uh, consider? It is something to consider, yeah. So we shall see. Or I shall see. I don't know. How many of those do you see around, though? You must in the Athletes Village. It must be like constant because it seems like so many people have decided to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a great thing. You know, there's, there's few people in this world that actually get to go and experience the the Olympics and, you know, make it there. Uh, so 
Does it seem, that's a good point. Does it seem, you talked about when you were a kid thinking about the Olympics, 18, mm-hmm. 17, does it seem like a bigger deal then when it's in your imagination or does it seem bigger when you actually get there and experience it and realize how few people actually get to go where you're going? It's pretty freaking cool when you arrive there and you kind of surround yourself with all these other incredible athletes and you kind of realize you made it. You made your dream come true. Um, yeah, I think when you're there and it all sort of sets in and hits you, you realize what big of a deal it is. Is it emotional when that hits you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Singing the national anthem, you know, before a game at an Olympics, nothing compares. Really? Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Not playing college basketball and winning tournament games or winning a Pan Am gold medal or... Good thing my college coach isn't listening to this interview because she doesn't live in Canada. But, um, you know, I had a great university career and uh, we were very successful and I'm very, very proud of that. Um, And at that time, it was the biggest thing that I had ever accomplished. And then... You know, I can look back now and realize that that was just a stepping stone to something bigger. Everything was. Yeah. And that biggest thing is the Olympics. So we have one minute here. Um, You're 34 now? Wow. We're just throwing it out there on air. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I like to say early 30s. Early 30s. Okay. We're early 30s now. (laughs) But I mean, do you you look at this then and say, yeah, you know, I have it in me to go that hard for another four years is that I mean you're just back and again we, t- we started off with the disappointment yeah. which probably makes you want to have a better taste left in your. I mean can you see yourself putting those four years in again it's hard I've been through so many emotions in the last five days you know when it all happened and ended I was like that's it I'm quitting I never want to play basketball again um that lasted a couple of days you know I was like I don't want to go to Europe I don't want to pick up a ball <laughs> And then, you know, all of a sudden that emotion starts to change a little and I'm pissed off that this is how my experience ended because I don't believe we deserve this. I don't believe I deserve this. I worked way too hard to have this be the end. So then you're like, well, I'm going to prove it. I'm going to, I, you know, I can do it more. Um, so I clearly need to find a middle balance and I haven't hit that yet in my emotions. Uh, I am fortunate that it's not ending on this note and I am going back to overseas to play and I'm going to see how I feel in January, February. You know, I'm, I still haven't played my leg. I need to get that taken out I was going to say, you've been through a lot of injuries just to get here. Yeah, exactly. You've been through broken legs. Yeah, you know, that, that thing is hopefully coming out sometime soon. Just don't Um, go through the metal detector at the airport. Yeah. Listen, it is, uh, it's great you came in. Glad you're back. It was, I know it was disappointing, but honestly, it was great to watch you guys. Thank you. And, and, And again, the bas- women's basketball team was Team Hamilton, mm-hmm. and and everybody here was watching and, and cheering Thank for you. you. And, Thank you. You know, four years from now, you'll be back doing this all over again with a medal around your neck. We'll see. I would love <laughs> to have a medal around my neck. <laughs> we will. Uh, and in the meantime, look for Shona, because we are going to do that thing in the gym somewhere. We are going to drop in. If you have a girls basketball team, look for us. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900. AM 900 CHML.